Hey everybody, I'm your host and life coach, Kim Gross, and this is the Masks Off Podcast. In this podcast, I'm helping parents and teachers of teenagers and young adults to explore and understand the masks we often wear because of people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies so that they can guide their children and students in removing the masks and honoring their true selves. Each week we dive into how to go from a people-pleasing and perfectionistic prison to freedom, empowerment, and showing up fully in the world. You will hear about my personal experiences and wisdom, as well as from my knowledgeable guests. If you're ready to remove your masks and to help your children and students to do the same, drop into this week's episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of Masks Off. I'm your host, Kim Gross, and today I have Kim Minch with me, who is a repeat guest. She has an amazing presence on TikTok, among many other things. And I was watching one of her TikToks where she was talking about being parents being overly emotionally involved with their kids. And I'm like, Oh, holy shit. That's me. (laughs) I said, I'm going to call up Kim and see if she wants to come back on. So welcome for a round two. Yes. I'm very happy to be here, Kim. Always happy to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you. So let us start as I normally do with a quote and the quote is yours from your book. And the quote is this, our children come through us not for us, except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey in an effort to grow us up along the way. And that is by Kim Minch. Holy shit. Oh my God. (laughs) It's very deep. The quote, as you mentioned, is on the last page of my book. And my book is titled Becoming Me, while raising you, a mother's journey to herself. And it is the story of some beliefs I took on in childhood through the relationship with my primary caregivers and other essential people in my childhood that were playing out in my marriage and in my parenting for many years until kind of a critical point, my son walked through an addiction to alcohol and that was that really caused me to look at not only the way I was parenting, but the way that I had been parented and wanting to make some conscious, intentional choices moving forward, both in my parenting and just as a human being. I call it my personal awakening as well. Yes. And that is available on Amazon. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and it's so true. It is an awakening for us if we allow it, because my kids were my awakening as well. And I do want to say this, and this is, again, I'm repeating myself why I reached out to you, because even though I had that awakening when my kids were younger, and I knew that it was not about them, and it was about me, and that I had to do some inner work, and they were just showing up as a mirror for what I needed to work on. It was not an overnight thing. It was not a one and done. (laughs) Which brings me to the fact that when I saw your TikTok, and here we are 12 years later since my awakening, and I was like, oh, man, 
I am still emotionally involved. So let's break that down so that parents can understand what that looks like. In your opinion, when a mom or a dad is overly emotionally involved, attached, what does that look like? Okay. I'm actually going to describe that TikTok, which did really well. So I was sitting in my car and I was thinking about my five kids. They're 18 to 36 years of age at this point. I was thinking about all of them and their different paths that they're on and the challenges that they're currently facing. And all of them was facing something at that time that could become a crisis. It wasn't a crisis, but they're all going through something a little bit difficult. And so I started to feel anxious about that. I started to feel like, what if this does happen? What if he doesn't get a job? What if the girlfriend breaks up with him? How's he going to handle that already now? Like I can feel myself getting uptight because (laughs) But then I said to myself, listen, you're doing what you coach parents not to do. So I need to be an example of that. So I stopped myself by saying, listen, this is exactly what the parents you coach do. And you've got to stop and redirect yourself. Because I truly believe that whether we're living in the same space with our children or not, they feel our energy. They know if we're stressed. They know if we're preoccupied and they won't come to us and bring their challenges, however big or small. And it's not our responsibility to fix them. I just mean share with us. They will not share with us if they think that we are not present, not emotionally available and attuned to their needs. And I think that happens, like I said, whether they're living under your roof or they're living elsewhere. I feel like energetically they know where we're at. And so this is why it's so critical that we work on ourselves so that we can remain available. Because whether you have a two-year-old who's having a meltdown or a 12-year-old who's in middle school and getting bullied or a 22-year-old who's drinking at college, whatever, doesn't matter. They need you to be emotionally available to them, which means you've got to deal with your stuff on your own. You are present and available. I love that. And I would agree. I have two kids. I have a son that's 24 and I have a daughter that's 21. And my son, a few years back, he went through a hard time and he used to, in the very beginning, share. And then he could see how upset I would get, how anxious I would get, how nervous I would get. And he told me one time that he felt this enormous responsibility that he was responsible for my upsetness that he was causing it and he was the one that was making me upset and he felt badly about that he felt guilty about that and Mm -hmm. so that's a crazy thing for a young kid to have to carry that and I could remember that I too felt this overdeveloped sense of responsibility for my mom's happiness. Mm. And when he said that to me, it was like, boom, hit me over the head. I'm like, Kim, you got to get your shit together. You got to figure this out because you can't do this to this kid. You know what it felt like 
to feel responsible for your mom's happiness, you cannot make this kid be responsible for yours, meaning mine. And so now he sets really great boundaries with me. If he senses that I'm getting upset or I'm getting nervous, then he will either pull back right away and he won't say anymore, or he'll just tell me like, mom, chill, like just chill out. I realized I just crossed the line. I went into anxious, nervous, and that's why I responded the way I did. And by the way, why is it that we go to worst case scenario? Like, why do we do that as parents? I, that's a very good question, but we do tend to do that as parents. We do tend to take one issue, like a failed test grade and push that into, oh my God, he's going to fail the class. And it really, it doesn't help us to do that. And that's where I think we get to questioning your thoughts. It's about pausing and asking yourself the question instead of reacting. It's about slowing down life so that you're not re constantly in reaction to it and constantly putting yourself in that situation, but instead going, is that true? Just because he failed the test, does that mean he's going to fail the class? No. So why am I getting so uptight about this? It's about being aware, but not getting anxious. Yeah. Like with my five kids that day, like I'm aware that they're all going through something difficult, but it doesn't help them. And it certainly doesn't help me be the grounding space that they need to go into anxious mode. I need to stay in awareness and have the faith and belief that they will be able to figure it out. I just, I have to have faith in their ability to choose themselves and choose the healthiest option for them. That's such a beautiful point that you bring up that when we don't believe in them or we go into anxious, nervous, and we catastrophize and we think the worst case scenario, and then either verbally communicate that to them or energetically as they can feel our energy. What we're telling them is I don't believe in you. I don't think you can do this. And what's really happening, which you just so beautifully described is that we are not staying in the present moment because if we are thinking, oh my gosh, they just failed the test. They're going to fail the class. We're futurizing. I'm going to call myself out and take my mask off and say that I just did that with my daughter. She is in her last semester of undergrad. She's taking a science course that she needs as a requirement. It's a chemistry class. And a few weeks ago, she failed the test. And I went into, oh my gosh, she's going to fail the course. She's not going to graduate on time. And the thing is, she even went there. So I wasn't helping her at all. She just called me two hours ago. Mom, guess what I got on my last test? What'd you get? I got an 87. So like she's passing the class now. And what was all that freaking worry about? And it didn't help me and it doesn't help her. So what's so beautiful, and I wrote it down because it's great. You said, be the grounding space. So now let's pivot and talk about what is the best way for us to show up for our kids? How can we help the parents that are listening to know how to do it differently? 
What do you do differently with your kids? First, I'll say it's a practice. So even if it doesn't go as well as you would want, you've had that practice and you can learn from it. How do you hold space? Because that was something we talked about and you just said a few minutes ago, be the grounding space. So what does that mean? What does that space, that container look like so that our teens and young adults will come to us? Or if they do come to us, how can we show up best for them? First and foremost, get into a daily meditation practice because we become disconnected from ourselves. That's where some of the anxiety comes from. So being intentional, I start my day with meditation every morning. This is what I think helps us to reconnect with ourselves. The other thing I do is physical activity. I strongly suggest that parents find a way to be physically active. It's like working the anxiety out of your body, right? So I meditate and I go to the gym every morning before I have any clients. Self-care are things that you won't compromise on. You build them into your day, whether you enjoy them or not, because when you do them, you are a better person for that. And by better patient, more present, more emotionally available to the people who you love most. That being said, there's a fine line between being the container, being the person that just listens without judgment, that reiterates, I believe in you. I believe you're capable of this. I believe that you'll figure it out and feeling responsible for their happiness or their future. We are not responsible for anybody else's happiness. We are not responsible for our spouse's happiness. We can add to our spouse's happiness. We can add to our children's happiness, but we are not responsible for it. I love that. And that's codependence 101, right? We cannot make anyone happy. The whole serenity prayer is how does it go? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I cannot change or control people, places, and things. So God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, which is just me and the wisdom to know the difference. So Mm -hmm. just saying that the reason it's called the serenity prayer is because it brings you a sense of peace and serenity when you know that you cannot change or control things that are on the outside. And so when you do try to control, it's only an illusion. If you're trying to control the outcome for your children who are sad or depressed or anxious or struggling, boy, I'm saying all this, but I better take my own medicine. I'm like, Kim, listen to yourself. (laughs) 10 minutes later, I'll get off the phone and I'll call my daughter. Here's my question to you is if that happens, where's the disconnect? Because intellectually, we all know that we can't future trip as parents. And this is what I work on with parents when I'm coaching them is to reconnect with themselves so that they can parent from their intuition, because nobody knows your kid like you do. And sometimes we don't feel we know our kids very well. And that's true. The older they get, the more they get invested in their peers and, and whatnot. But that's all the more reason for us to do our own work so we can tap into the nuances of their moods and what's as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I love that. And so what is the disconnect for me? I think 
You just did it. So for those people who are listening to the podcast and not watching, just to see that Kim kept pointing toward her heart, like the intuition, Mm -hmm. the way I say it often is taking the elevator from your mind down into your heart. So if I were to get off this podcast recording, which I promise you, I won't, I don't know, maybe I will. And I go right into (laughs) enmeshment or anxious worry with my daughter. It's because I'm in my mind. And Mm -hmm. I'm in my thoughts. So if Mm -hmm. I pause, which is why you said meditation is so important because when we have a meditation practice, it allows us to pause more often. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, there I am caught in my thoughts. There I am going down a rabbit hole. How do I drop into my heart where my Mm -hmm. intuition is or drop into my body? And what is my intuition and my body telling me? and how to show up. And then maybe it's the next step is showing up for my own little girl, because the one who is anxious, nervous is my inner child. The one who's afraid that my daughter's going to not graduate from college because she's going to fail a course is my little girl, because then she's going to be so sad and so upset. And then that's going to make me sad. And that's going to make me upset. All of this is running in our subconscious mind, by the way, it's just on automatic pilot, but that's what's happening. So if I just have a mantra for myself of telling my own inner child, it's okay, I'm okay, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. I'm going to show up differently. Hey friends, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. We'll get back to the show in a moment. Are you wondering whether you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, Kim, of course I know I am one, but I'm not sure all the ways that these patterns show up. Well, you can take my people pleaser perfectionist quiz on my website at kimgrosscoaching.com and find out the answers. And if nothing else, the quiz is really fun to do. Now let's get back to business. And one of the things that I wanted to share is I mentioned earlier that my son is in recovery at this point. He's 13 years sober, but when he was 20, he was very highly addicted to alcohol. And we happened to be living 1200 miles apart from each other when this was happening. And every time the phone rang, it was something like earth shattering, right? And so I wanted to share with your listeners, I had a point at which during his active addiction, where I totally knew I was not in control of what was going to happen. I definitely knew that. But I also came to the realization that I didn't know why he was here and what he was meant to go through, whether I wanted him to go through it or not, in order to become who he is meant to become. I've carried that thought with me for the rest of my kids as well. I really don't have any idea why each of them has come into the world and what they are here to evolve through. That's a very liberating feeling. I found it more liberating than anxiety provoking because it gave me the freedom to love and support them where they're at without doing for them what they can and should be doing for themselves and what they're capable of. I believe moms are the emotional barometers. When moms are in a good space with their emotional uh, lives, that ripples out to everybody else in the family. The last thing I think I want to talk on is that I could maybe hear some people thinking to themselves, and even at times I've questioned this. So 
we're talking about the emotional over-involvement, the pendulum swinging. Like, how do you not get the pendulum to swing all the way to the other end where you might appear or come off as being cold, callous? I also wonder if there is this place where parents can go into almost becoming too detached. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. And so I think that relates to, and we haven't brought it up yet, but let this whole pendulum swinging thing, right? Yeah. Is Let me just take a step back from what you said. I heard what you said. Could they become so detached emotionally or so distanced emotionally that it's not helpful. Okay. So that whole pendulum thing, I think you and I were talking the other day when we started talking about this conversation about how I think our generation and I'm 55. So Gen X was raised with not a lot of emotional connection with our parents we were some level of seen and not heard. Some parents were better than others, but we didn't have this emotional talk and we didn't know how the brain was affected developmentally by the way our parents were. We just didn't have this. When we were growing up, we just didn't have this language and our parents didn't either. So they weren't overly emotionally connected to us or validating of our feelings. What's happened right now, I think, is that Gen X, wanted to give their kids what they didn't have and has become overly emotionally involved. They've become overly validating to a point where it's crippling. And so we have to find a way back to center. So what you're saying is, can parents in part become so emotionally distanced that they're not helpful? Yes, I think there's a mid ground, right? And I think to get to the mid ground, we have to work on our emotional well-being, our junk from our childhood, our crap that goes on in our careers and whatnot, so that we are, when possible, as much as possible, centered and ab- available, present, emotionally and otherwise, to our family members. And, it, and it's a fine line, right, between becoming, being present and either being anxious and overly enmeshed or becoming too distant. It's like this tightrope that you're trying to walk. I understand what you're saying because I feel that. I experience that quite often with my young adult children. And when I hit the sweet spot, I'm in a place if they come to me and they have something going on and we're having a conversation And I might initially feel myself going into getting anxious and I want to fix because the way I present is I want to give a lot of advice. That's just me wanting to fix, right? That's how it shows up for me. So I start giving all this advice, but then I can catch myself and I get into this place of just listening and I let my daughter or my son say what they need to say about their experience. What Even if they're saying something about me, say they're pointing a finger at me, mom, you did blah, blah, blah. I let them say what they need to say. I don't Mm -hmm. dismiss their experience whatsoever. Mm -hmm. That is a hundred percent valid because that's what you felt. It's your experience. And then I go into saying something like, I know that this is hard for you. I know that you're having a really hard time right now. And I can't fix it for you. 
I want to go to that place of fixing it for you, but I can't. And I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. So for me, that feels like this middle ground. It feels like a sweet spot where I'm letting them have their feelings, their emotions, as big as they might be. They express it. I'm holding space for them. And then I'm being honest about what I'm going through. I want to fix right now. I so freaking want to fix this for you, but I can't. And I know that's not the best thing for me to do. So I'm just Mm -hmm. here to listen. And I might say something like, I know you can do this. I believe in you Mm -hmm. or this too Mm -hmm. shall pass. And that seems to work beautifully. Do you have any thoughts on that or anything to add? One other thing that I would add to that is there is something that I say to a point where sometimes my kids roll their eyes at me because (laughs) I say it so often, but I do mean it and they know I mean it is in a situation like that. How can mom best support you? Yes. Because I think there is, we want to support them, but I want them to learn how to figure out what they need and advocate for it instead of me rushing in to fix it in some way, shape or form. So I I work with parents on this all the time. How can mom best support you? And nine times out of 10, if the kid hasn't ever had that experience of the parent asking them, they will say, I don't know. Yeah. And then I say to parents, okay, then I want you to say, um, okay, we'll think about it and we'll talk about it again later. And then the parent does need to initiate that conversation later next morning or whatever it is and, and be prepared with maybe one or two ideas the parent can share on that point. But given the young person the opportunity to think about, okay, my mom is willing to do something to support me, but what do I really need? And so what I always tell parents, if they come back to you the next day and you ask them again, and they say, I actually think you could do this. If there's, if it's at all possible without becoming enabling, do that because they've advocated for themselves. If they still say, I don't know, say, I've actually thought about it as well. I'm wondering if this option or this option would be something that would be helpful in this situation. So not rushing to fix it, but taking that time. I'm glad that you added that in. And I will just say too, that it was awkward at first for my daughter, but now she is at the point where I'll say, how can I best support you? And she'll either say, I just need to vent. I just need to complain. I just need a Mm -hmm. hug or yep. Actually, mom, I really do want your advice in this situation. Yep. This is such a freaking awesome conversation, Kim. Oh my gosh. It was awesome. So tell the listeners where they can find you. Yes. If you're on TikTok or Instagram, you can find me at Kim Minch, M-U-E-N-C-H, parent coach. And my website is reallifeparentguide.com. Thank you again so much for being on. You're welcome, Kim. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy this podcast, would love for a review or for a rating. It does help to push the content out so that more parents can hear such valuable information like the information we shared here today. So until next week. If you enjoyed this episode of Masks Off, 
and you're ready to take the next step to overcoming people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, you can reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com and book a call. You can also join my free Facebook group for more inspiration and tips. The link is in the show notes. I would love it if you would subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget to share it with others. See you next Thursday on Masks Off with Kim Gross.